0: Luke 15, verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to him, Rejoice, Saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it, And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that you have spoken to us your word, that you have not left us in this world with no revelation of who you are, what you're like. We ask that you would teach our hearts about the hope, the grace that you show us in Christ. Be our teacher, and we ask that you'd send your spirit, um, that uh, you would take your perfect word and you would speak it and apply it to each one of our lives. Lord, you know what is happening in each one of our lives. You know the struggles that we're facing. You know the sins that we're facing. You know the hope that we need. And so we ask that you would take this text and apply it to each one of the lives here um, as our good shepherd um, who comes to the sheep who Finds the lost sheep. And so we look to you in that hope. Give us a repentant heart, a soft heart. And we ask this in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. So um, we're talking this morning about what it means to be lost. You know, we have Jesus tells two parables one about a lost sheep and a lost coin. And that's kind of in the Bible, right? Being lost is kind of an image or illustration. Of what a life apart from God is like is, lo- is being lost, and I think it's actually it's actually a fascinating image um, to talk to us about our spiritual life. Um, if you if you were in my house for any length of time and heard any stories about my family, one story that would certainly come up is uh, as a three year old, I, I, le- I grew up down in Bellevue, and uh, on Mother's Day my family went to Bellevue Square, Bellevue Square's big mall down in Bellevue, and uh, you can imagine on Mother's Day, the, the mall is a crowded place. There's people going everywhere. And at Bellevue Square, there used to, I don't know if they still have this, there used to be this little boat in the middle of the mall where kids would climb on. And so on this day, we, uh, I, I needed to get some energy out. So I'm playing on this boat, and there's kids everywhere, there's parents piled everywhere. And I heard my siblings. My siblings are older, you know, they're not into playing on boats. And so they they were talking to my dad and saying, hey, let's go, we should go get some cookies. And Mrs. Fields Cookies was somewhere on the other side of the mall. And so I heard them talk about that. I'm like, okay, I'm playing. And I turn around, and then no one's there. My family's gone. And I was like, oh, they must have gone to get cookies. Well, I better I better go find them. I, I can find my way around the mall. I'm three. I don't, I, some, of you have, <laughs> some of you have three-year-olds. And I was like, now, Bellevue Square is one of those malls that has the, the four wings, which all look basically the same. So, uh, you know, I'm just picking one. This, I'll just keep walking. I'm going to get there sometime, right? So I take off. And, uh, um, of course, my mom was on the other side of the boat, and I didn't see her. So I take off. And I'm walking, I'm getting on the elevator in my socks, and people are talking to me. And, um, and so I'm just going down some wing, and I'm like, I'm going to show up at the cookie store at some point. And then, all of a sudden, I pass KB Toy Stores. And I'm standing in front of the toy store, and all thoughts about family, reuniting with my family, are evaporate from my mind. And yes, Freedom! I have no parents. I'm just going to go collect toys. So I I spend the next 10 minutes piling my arms with toys and putting them on the counter. And the lady says, "Now the lady says, okay, you can buy these. These are $20. You will need $20." And so I, you know, I did this little empty my pockets, you know, little face cue thing. And so then I'm out. Okay, I got to go find $20. I'm wandering around uh, the the mall looking for $20. So here I am. I, I'm first, I'm on the boat. Then I'm on go to the cookie store. Then I am uh, ride the elevator for a little bit in my socks. Then explore the toy store. Then $20. I mean, I'm all over the place, just mindless and clueless that, of course, my, my mom, just a few minutes after I disappear, goes around the boat and sees her kid is gone. And she is in a panic. I mean, packed mall and is freaking out. And, uh, you know, it, this was just around the time, do you, you remember John Walsh from America's Most Wanted? How he, his son w- was, his wife was with their little son, and he was abducted from a mall, and he was murdered. And there was some guy talking to my mom. He's like, yeah, you remember John Walsh and his son? Made, and I was just like, stop talking. Just bawling. They, the police had sealed all the exits to the whole mall. And the whole mall was in panic. Find the three-year-old child he's lost and i'm oblivious i mean completely clueless that anyone's that there's any kind of crisis going on and this is a a really a good picture of what the bible talks about uh, uh, about our nature and of what it means to be spiritually lost is that um because um often you know when we're lost whether it's a you know, sheep is the image Jesus used or a little kid. You know, you're just walking, and, and you're getting more lost as you go, because you're not even really aware that you're lost. You're not, you're not even sure that that's... The, and so you just keep walking, you keep wandering. You know, we... This is another... A few years ago, Shannon and I went up to Vancouver for dinner, and I, I hadn't really been to Vancouver. And after dinner, we're on our way home, and I'm just, I just think, go south, and we'll end up in Bellingham, right? Right? Um, and, I, and so Shane's like, are you sure you know where we're going? I was just like, I have an intuitive sense of direction. I know we're go- where we're going. So after about an hour and a half of not hitting a border, we finally pull over. And, you know, do you know where the border is? I'm sure it's around here somewhere, right? And the ladies, I, apparently I'd been going northeast instead of south for an hour and a half. You know, that's just a couple clicks off. Um, and so, but you know, I didn't know I was lost, and until, as, as long as I'm going in the wrong direction, I'm just getting further and further, and, and there's no sense of discomfort, there's no suspicion about maybe, maybe I don't know what I'm doing, I'm perfectly confident, and that's a picture of, uh, of what a lost person looks like in the Bible, and what the Bible tells us in Isaiah 53 is that we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Where In uh, our nature, there's something um, there's something in our nature that there's a kind of mindlessness about us, a kind of cluelessness about what God is doing, about who God is, right? I mean, by nature, I, I mean, I even can see this in myself as a Christian, as a pastor, but many people could spend decades of their life just not even thinking about God, not even thinking about why do I exist? Um, is there sin in my life? Am I who God wants me to be? It's, it's perfectly easy to to be completely mindless and clueless about it. and um, But what this passage shows us is that the gospel, you know, coming alive and knowing God, coming alive spiritually, begins by having a sense that we know that we are lost without God. We are lost without Jesus. And unless we know that, uh, access to the gospel and who God is, uh, we're not going to have it. Okay. And so what I want to tell you is we look at this passage just a couple of things. First of all, that only the lost draw near to Jesus. And, and what I mean, and people who know they're lost. People who know they're only the people who know they're lost draw near to Jesus. But second, Jesus always finds the lost first. Jesus always goes and finds them first. They think that they're drawing near to him, but it's always Jesus is making the first step. Jesus is the one hunting him down. So those are the two things we're going to look at. So first, uh, only the lost draw near to Jesus. Now our passage begins in verse 1 by saying this. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Now, we should just note, by the way, we've talked a lot about how one of the reasons we're looking at Luke is because one of the main things Jesus does in Luke is he just eats with people. Like, what is Jesus' mission? I'm just going to eat with people. And that's a big part of our mission as a church. You want to follow Jesus, you want to obey God and serve, have dinner with someone. And especially someone that maybe you wouldn't normally have dinner with. That's what Jesus does. So here we see that again. The Pharisees saying, he's eating with sinners. Um, now, Now, these two groups of people... Uh, That that Luke mentions tax collectors and sinners um, are essentially people who their kind of lostness, the fact that they're lost in life is very evident to them. I think generally in our culture, when we come to a text like this where there's Jesus is eating with the tax collectors and sinners and the Pharisees say, you know, they're grumbling at him generally how we read that, whether we know that or not, know it or not, is that we think that basically the tax collectors and the sinners, they're kind of misunderstood people. They're not really that bad. And the religious people are very narrow-minded. And uh, and, and Jesus, you know, they're judgmental. And Jesus is, he doesn't discriminate. You know, he just says all people are good. And he welcomes them all to himself. But the fact is, a tax collector is not you know, someone who's misunderstood. I mean, a tax collector, basically, uh, in this context, a Jewish tax collector is someone who sided with the big pagan Roman Empire and basically uh, is extorting money from poor people and uh, using uh, coercion, force, to get money from poor people, and then they're taking a cut, of them, a cut of it themselves. So it's very, you know, it's maybe like a white-collar crime that we, that we would think of in our culture. And they're not good people. It's not that they're misunderstood and Jesus says, oh, I understand you. The Pharisees don't understand you, but I do. You know, it's not like that. It's, it's that they're really wicked people. And yet um, what we see is that Luke says that all these people who are really bad are flocking to Jesus. It says that all the, the tax collectors and the sinners, they're all drawing near to hear Jesus. They want to talk to him. And um, that's because their sense of being lost in life is very clear and evident to them. And the Pharisees, they have a kind of religious veneer of being good people. Um, You know, really the equivalent of of Pharisees um, in our culture are not, you know, um, uh, hyper-fundamentalist extremist people. That's not the Pharisees. The Pharisees are middle-class moral people who do good. And they're saying to Jesus, why are you hanging out with these people who are really wicked? And they have a a veneer of, of... religiousness that that's why they're not drawing near to Christ. And they don't don't see their own lostness. And so um, what Jesus is saying is that we cannot come alive and our hearts aren't softened with a love towards God until uh, we first know that we're lost without him. Only the lost draw near to Jesus. Now, um, how does it become evident to us? You know, if that's the difference, right, is that for the, you know, the tax collectors, their lostness is evident, and the, uh, the Pharisees is not evident. How do we, how does it become evident? Well, I think uh, Jesus, in these two parables, tells us a couple things about what it means to be lost. And The two things are, are first, um, don't take this the wrong way. I, I like you all, okay? Um, but, but the lost are stupid, like sheep. Okay, that's, he uses sheep. This is Jesus uses this illustration. I didn't use it. <laughs> it. The lost are stupid like sheep, and but second, the lost are also neglected. the The lost are both stupid and neglected. So first, um, stupid. Um, you know, one of the things, uh, one of the things as Americans that we need to be careful of. I I, I just read recently about a uh, some research that was done on. Um, math competency in uh, maybe some of you have heard this math competency in different nations and uh, they they were giving these exams and kind of testing students from uh, United States, Ireland Spain, South Korea the United Kingdom and Canada and though the United States came in last in their math abilities um, and Korea uh, came in first by far they added one last kind of question about math uh, to the test is, do you think you're good at math? And the people, the Americans, were screamingly high uh, in thinking they were good at math. Two thirds of Americans said, yes, I'm good at math, while only 23% of Koreans said they were good at math. So, uh, because, you know, that's our culture. Self esteem is, is our value. Don't, please don't tell me, uh, you know, it doesn't What matters more is that I think I'm good at math. I mean, there's a real culture of that. Uh, than me really being good at math and so it's hard for us to hear for someone to say to us that we might be lost, that we might be oblivious to what we're supposed to be doing with our life, we say how dare you say that, That, and how's that going to help me isn't self esteem what's going to help me in my life, telling me I'm lost isn't going to help me, and yet um, Jesus um, you know don't get me wrong, I think you're all very smart um You all deserve A's and B's. uh, No, no, you're all above average, okay? Uh, But Jesus says that the image that he wants us to apply to ourselves is one of stupid sheep. That's what sheep are, stupid. Look look again at verse 3. So he told this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not find the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? Why do sheep get lost? They get sh- lost because they're, you know, do do gonna eat some grass, you know, ba ba ram you walking around, right? They're not thinking about, oh, I need this shepherd, I want some grass. Uh, and they're, they're kind of mindless and clueless. And what Jesus is saying is that our nature, to, um, to not be thinking, to be kind of oblivious to our situation, uh, that's our nature spiritually, and you, and you know, by the way, most people who di- who walk away from their faith, it doesn't happen usually as a defined moment where I'm going to say, I don't want to be a Christian anymore. I'm I, I woke up this morning and I don't believe it. It doesn't work like that. It's it's a gradual drifting away, like a sheep that's kind of wandering. It's kind of it, it's not really paying attention. It's not this willful defiance. The willful defiance may come later. But, um, but for most of the time, it's just a gradually stepping away. And what Jesus says is uh, the Pharisees aren't, away, you know, aren't aware of that. Actually, I was just talking to a, a pastor who, in their church, they did a, this process where they were meeting with all the men uh, in their church one-on-one. And they were just kind of doing, taking their spiritual temperature you know, barometer. And one of the questions that they had asked the men was, do you struggle with pornography? And they found in this process that over half the men in, in this church were struggling with pornography. And what he said, that the conversation usually went something like this. Um, so do you struggle with pornography? Yeah, I've, you know, I've struggled with that in the past. Um, I've, that's in, and so they said, well, so have you looked at pornography recently? Yeah, I, you know, maybe once a month. I, I look at pornography. Um, and they say, okay, so like these last few months, you'd say... Once a month, these last few months, you've looked at pornography. It's probably more like once a week. It's probably, recently, now that I think about it, it's once a week. So, this, you know, in a given week, do you look at pornography one time, two times, three times, four times? Pro- probably three or four times, now that I think about it. Um, and you see that it went from, this is something I was struggling with in the past, to I'm looking at pornography three or four times a week. There is an, a sense of oblivion, you know, it, 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 uh, clueless to their spiritual state, and uh, and Jesus and, and and one of the things that um, you know that that's a sense of, of being lost, of wandering. And What he said was, for many of them, they said, "Yeah, you know, I know God probably doesn't want me doing that," um, but you know, there wasn't this seriousness about it. And the fact is, when you realize you're lost, there is a sense of fear, a small sense of fear that that. Stirs up in your heart where you say, Oh my goodness, what's happening to me? You know, we, we used to live in uh, St. Louis. St. Louis was, at least when we were living there, it was the most dangerous city in the United States. And we were going to visit some friends, you know, seminary, we were in seminary. Seminary students buy cheap houses, so they're kind of in, you know, on the edge of kind of dangerous neighborhoods. So we were visiting a friend, and again, you know, I, I thought I knew where I was going, and we just, and there are several neighborhoods that, you know, you know, white dude with the minivan and the kids, you know, was, uh, you know, there's people smoking crack on the, um, on the corner and everything's boarded up. And it, it was a dangerous place to be. And you should have a sense of like, wow, I need to be jolted out of this. A sense of fear that I don't know where I am. I don't, I'm lost. And so, um, what Jesus says, um. Is that being lost is a little bit like the mindlessness of a of a sheep, just kind of going on. It doesn't. It's not even paying attention to what's happening. By the way, you know, I should mention. By the way, I, you know, I bring up pornography, and I, and that's among there are all kinds of of things that we um, have addictions to or habits towards. And I, I just want you to know that it's important in this church. It's okay to talk about those things. That if those are things that you're facing and you feel yourself wandering that way, or even if I'm saying things, whether it could be alcohol, it could be your job that um, you're working too much on, tell someone. You know, Come and tell me. I'd love to sit and have coffee and talk to you. You know, If you're in a home group, talk to your home group leader. Talk to someone in your home group, someone you trust, Trev, someone. But this is a place you can talk about that. Uh, and that's really the beginning of... of Becoming unlost, however you want to say it. So, so the first thing that Jesus says is, is that um, lostness, how we become aware of it is that first there's, it's a wandering stupidity. I, I couldn't think of another word, sorry. Okay, second, um, though, you know, Jesus is very balanced. He's nuanced. He's holistic. He also says that the reason that we are lost is because we're neglected. It's not just because of our nature that's stupid, but we're also neglected. Look at what he says in the second parable, verse 8. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? So Jesus uses the image of a lost coin. Now, a coin doesn't get itself lost, right? A coin is lost because someone was careless with it. You know, someone has neglected watching it. And the reality is that all of us come here, both as people who are sinners, people who have a nature that to wander away from God and to disobey God, but we're also people here who have been sinned against. We are a mixture of that. You know, if you've read any psychology, probably—I mean, at least in the last hundred years—but this has probably been this is this is an ongoing question throughout history of what determines what we do in our life. You know, the decisions that we make—is it our nature? You know, do we have a certain temperament? Do we have, a, do we kind of, there's certain ways we make decisions? It's us that's responsible for our decisions. Or is it because how we've been nurtured, right? You know, how we've been grown up, our family, and the environment that uh, we grew up in. Which one determines it? And, you know, this represents the very, you know, two polarized po- portions of our, our nation right now. You know, conservative people, they uh, they look at the poor and they say, listen, you live in the most prosperous nation in the in the uh in the world. There's tons of opportunity. If you just work hard, if you apply yourself, you can make money and you can get you can get jobs. But you know, people are lazy and they uh and they make choices that cause them to be poor. You know, and that's why I say we can't we have to be careful of just dumping money uh at people because we're encouraging them to make these decisions. So a conservative person says that and then a liberal person says listen it's not that simple of them just making choices. I mean, we just, you know, we just watched uh, Waiting for Superman uh, last night. I don't know if you know, that's a, a documentary on the public school system. And they, they were talking about these schools, uh, inner city schools that are, are uh, dropout factories. You know, One guy who's a principal said that his school over the last 30 years or something, they'd had 60,000 students come through there and 40,000 of them didn't graduate from high school. And they had these video cameras in these schools. And, uh, you know, a kid brought in a video camera. And there's a whole classroom. Everyone's just uh, doing whatever they want. They're playing cards. They're um, hanging out talking. And the the teacher's just sitting there reading a magazine, doing nothing. And, And one of the big things is, listen, the kids are making bad decisions. But they're also in an environment that's being careless with them, that's neglecting them. And that's why they're lost also. And Jesus gets that. He says you are a mixture of both someone who is has a sinful heart that wants to stray away from God, but you're also someone who's, who's, sinned, who's been sinned against. And um, and so Jesus, you know, doesn't fall into our categories. You know, and just uh, using the, the example of, of um, you know, sexual addiction. Listen, why, do, why does someone fall into sexual addictions? Is it because they're willfully choosing it? Yeah, that's, they're probably making decisions that they shouldn't make, but it could also be that, you know, they grew up in a family where there was a bad example of what sexuality means, and they've been learning that their whole life. They don't know anything different. They've been neglected, and so they're lost, and so Jesus gives us a, a, a complex picture of, of the human state. It's a holistic picture. It doesn't fit, actually, into any of our categories. It's, it's a full picture, and, um, and, you know, one of the questions that that raises okay if we're people who've been neglected who the reason we're lost is because we've been sinned against and people mistreat us what do i do about that you know how do i if, if it's because of what other people have done well it's really interesting jesus first he says about the stupid sheep this is what he says about stupid sheep verse seven just so i tell you there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who, have no, who need no repentance. So, you know, sheep that are going astray, we might expect, Jesus would say, what does the sheep need to do? The sheep needs to, uh, uh, to repent, you know, get back on track. But listen, he says the same thing about the coins. Just so I tell you there's, there is uh, joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And for us who have been, you know, people have sinned against us, And what do I do about it? You know, either I'm making stupid choices in my life or or people have damaged me my whole life. What do I do about it? The answer in both is to repent and to turn to Jesus. And now, you know, most of us, I think when we think about um, repentance, like if if that fear has kind of stirred in us that, wow, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I I, I don't know who God is. I'm feeling lost. And we think of repentance. What we imagine here, repentance, the word means to kind of turn around. You know, you're going one direction, now turn the other direction. And we imagine it's like, okay, I've been on this path a long way. And now I'm going to turn around, and I've got a long path behind me to get back. And that's intimidating. But one of the things that Jesus says here is that what happens when we turn around is we find out that there's not a long path behind us. Jesus is already there we don't repent and go find jesus he already he finds us you know you know i told you that story when i'm at the mall i'm lost and i'm wandering around looking for toys and twenty dollars you know what happens i'm walking around all of a sudden some woman comes running and just you know she's on the search party looking for me grabs me you know didn't ask permission didn't ask tell me who she was swoops me up and just starts running through the mall you know with a three-year-old and i'm like do i know you what uh and throws me into my mom's arms and that's and there's and uh, that's the picture of what the gospel is about it's not about us saying you know i'm gonna i'm gonna get my life figured out again it's jesus coming and swooping us up and bringing us home. And so that's, that's our second point. It's not just that it's only the lost. It's only people who know that they're lost who draw near to Jesus. Who are shaken up by that. But actually, Jesus always finds the lost first. Um, now, um, it's just amazing. This is, this is a call. Jesus is talking about calling people to repent. <laughs> And look at how he describes it. I mean, uh, look at verse 6. This is how he describes it. You should repent. You're a sheep that's wandering astray. This is how you, you should repent. This is what you need. Uh, verse, uh, um, uh, let's say verse 4. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends, uh, his, uh, sorry, he calls together his friends and his neighbors saying to them, rejoice with me for I found my sheep that was lost. He's saying, you know, you should repent. This is what it looks like. You're a sheep that's kind of going uh, the wrong way and the shepherd comes and picks you up and puts you on his shoulders and starts running with you. This is the same thing with the coin. And, um. And and what Jesus is saying is these tax collectors and these sinners are drawing near to Jesus. They want to hear him. And the Pharisees are saying, why are you eating with these people? And then Jesus says, you think they're coming to me. You got it all wrong. I'm coming after them. That's the whole point. That's why I've come is I'm coming after them. The reason they're drawing near to me is because I've already come. I'm the shepherd who's coming and picking them up. And, you know, I'll tell you, you ask anyone who... Has become a Christian, their life has changed, and you say, you know, how did you, gosh, you got your life back on track, how, and, you know, you're a new person, how do you do that? Like, wow. They start saying, well, you know, uh, God brought some people in my life that, uh, you know, they really loved each other, and they really loved me, and they were talking about God, and and there were these promises, they just, uh, that he was speaking, you know, I'd ask God for some things, and he would actually, he was beginning to put pieces together and I got involved in a church and I was just feeling loved and, and people were having an influence on me. And all of a sudden you say, how did you get your life back on track? It wasn't them getting their life back on track. It was that Jesus had surrounded them with people and that were, that was Jesus picking them up, putting them on his shoulder and carrying them back. And that's, that's what the hope of the gospel is. And um, is that grace, you don't find grace you don't go and find god's grace grace finds you and what's amazing also is that (laughs) you think about the neglected those of us who you know we we come from families from backgrounds where we've been uh, mistreated people have been cruel to us they've abused us and that's often why we don't know how to have relationships that's we don't know how to live in this world we don't know how to do our jobs we don't know how to be confident and what we need is we, you know, in a family setting, you know what a kid needs to feel a sense of security? They need parents who are rejoice over them, who are, think that they're a blessing. Make, you know, they need to make their parents happy. And when they feel like I make my parents happy, that's when they know that they're secure. And here Jesus gives uh, this picture of the neglected. The, the neglected coin that is found. The sheep that is found. Um, and he, uh, he says this. Um, uh, verse, verse 10. Just so I tell you. There is joy. Before the angels of God. Over one sinner. sinner who repents. This picture of a heavenly court. And it's angels. The angels before, uh, before the angels. Who's before the angels? Is God himself. Is that when there is one lost person who knows that they're lost, they know and they're drawing near to Jesus, the the whole body of heaven is celebrating. Just one individual person is rejoicing, singing over, glad, celebrating, embracing. And that's everything that a child wants from their family. Is is a sense of security. That's what a neglected person needs. Is someone is someone to rejoice over them, to be confident in them, to be glad that they exist, to hold them and to embrace them. And that's what Jesus says uh, he is doing. I'm drawing near to tax collectors who are really wicked people. And I'll tell you, you know, there's this, I don't know how many of you listen to Mumford and Sons, or, uh band that we've been listening to quite a lot. They have this song, uh, Roll Away Your Stones, and some of you might know this line. Um, it says, it seems as if all my bridges have been burned. You say, that's exactly how this grace thing works. It's not the long walk home that will change this heart. Repentance is not turning around and seeing a whole long road that I've got to walk on. That's not going to change you. It's not the long walk home that will change this heart, but the welcome I receive at the restart. We turn around and we see that Jesus is already there. Before we even repented, he's already been seeking us and pursuing us. And you know, so for some of you, you see that God is doing that. He's putting people around you. He's speaking. He's awakening your heart to being lost. And let me just encourage you, to turn to him. Whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, turn to him and you'll find in Jesus one who carries sheep and one who rejoices over the neglected. Let's pray together. Our Lord, we just, Jesus, we thank you for the good news of the gospel, uh, the hope that it gives us that uh we're not going out trying to find grace we're not trying to walk the long walk home but the grace finds us and we see that you have been doing that in our lives we open our hearts to you we turn to you um, for hope and we do ask that you would work in our lives and uh, that we uh you would keep us from wandering that you would keep us in your flock and keep us near to you and help us to encourage one another Uh, That this is a place where we come as lost sinners uh, to find a Savior. And we ask this in his name. Amen.